Welcome to the Renew Northwest podcast, a ministry of Christ Church Bellingham. Renew Northwest is dedicated to helping the church in the Pacific Northwest be rooted in the gospel, wise in the scriptures, and equipped to engage the culture for Christ. Today's episode is a reading from a recent Renew Northwest article by Pastor Nate Walker. Find this and other articles about theology and the Christian life at RenewNorthwest.com. The Book of Esther is a compelling narrative of political savvy. The Jews at that time were living under the rule of the Persian king Ahasuerus. That's Xerxes I, who ruled from 486 to 465 BC. Ahasuerus had promoted the wicked Haman over all of his officials, commanding that all the king's servants bow down and pay homage to him. This is a clear command from the king. Well, Mordecai is one of the key characters in the story of Esther. He is Esther's cousin who helps her navigate her role as the new queen of Persia. Yet Mordecai flat out disobeys this command from the king. That's what it says, Esther 3, uh, verses 2 to 5. But Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage Then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, why do you transgress the king's command? And when they spoke to him day after day, he would not listen to them. They told Haman in order to see whether Mordecai's words would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury. Mordecai is doing a clear act of political resistance in this story. But it's not necessarily clear why he is unwilling to do it. Bowing the knee and giving homage to rulers as an expression of honor is not forbidden in the scriptures necessarily. First Kings one sixteen is an example. Uh, there is some question of why Mordecai was disobedient on this point. Uh, it seems his reason was because Haman was in uh, a Gagite, Uh, And uh, Agag was an Amalekite king, a historic enemy of the Jews. And Ian Duguid, in his commentary on Esther, has pointed out that this act of resistance fell into a gray area, is what he says. In comparison to Daniel's grand act of defiance, Mordecai's stand, while at one level justifiable enough in its motivation, seems to latch onto a relatively secondary issue— It was an issue involving shades of gray rather than black and white, the kind of question over which faithful believers might come to different conclusions. It is not that Mordecai was being totally unreasonable in his reluctance to bow to Haman, but we wonder whether this was the right issue for making a stand. Think how many other compromises Mordecai has made in order to remain alive and employed in the Persian court, says pages 34 and 35. Despite the complexities of this decision, Mordecai disobeys the clear command of the king, yet is considered a model to faithful Jews in this action. Clearly, the book of Esther considers this a case of an unlawful command that Mordecai was right to resist and disobey. Constitutional political resistance. Is Mordecai an anarchist? Is he selfish and stubbornly not going along with the program? Is he, in spirit, going against the righteousness of Romans 13? 
Clearly, Mordecai is depicted as a righteous man in the book of Esther. Not only that, he is highly honored by the king Ahasuerus for uncovering an assassination plot. That's in Esther uh, 2, verses 19 to 23, and chapter 6, verses 1 to 13. He is himself promoted in Haman's place. And the political honor he is given is because of his willingness to resist Haman. This is Acts, uh, Esther uh, 10, verses 2 and 3. And all the acts of his power and might, and the full account of the high honor of Mordecai to which the king advanced him, are then written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia. For Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Ahasuerus, and he was great among the Jews and popular with the multitude of his brothers, for he sought the welfare of his people and spoke peace to all his people." It seems that Mordecai's resistance to Haman was a way of honoring the king. That is, it was like constitutional political resistance. The king had a wicked official whose foolishness would have actually undermined the king's authority. The welfare of any empire is closely tied to that empire's treatment of God's people. Haman was setting Ahasuerus' dominion on a suicidal path. Citizens in America had to make a similar decision during COVID, how to honor the king, politically speaking. Our king, the highest authority in America, is the Constitution. And we had to, at times, resist the foolish commands of lesser authorities that undermined the purposes of the highest authority. We had to refuse to bow down and pay homage to them. There are numerous scriptural warrants for such actions in Mordecai, is one of the clearest. Obedience and resistance. The paradox for the Christian is that we need to both obey better than the world and resist better than the world. In both scenarios, Mordecai was willing to do what no one else was willing to do, whether it was risking his life by not bowing to Haman or risking his life by uncovering the assassination plot. His acts of resistance and obedience were acts of love for God and love for neighbor. As a church, we should be prepared for both. We should outdo our neighbors in obedient and generous citizenry, but we also must be resolved to have courage when the time comes to follow the path of Mordecai and refuse to bow down when obedience would go against the will and purposes of God. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Renew Northwest podcast. If you have been blessed by this content, please leave us a review, like, and follow the show, or share this episode with friends or family whom you think would enjoy it. You can also sign up for our monthly newsletter at renewnorthwest.com.